This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? me? <laughs> so I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. <laughs> you could just look at her license. My. Special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. <laughs> it's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. <laughs> We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are, and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice, and they go from there, and then call us back later. But the key is is that they don't know all their rights, or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding uh, so they can help themselves and their families the best they can. And the number is? Is 800-770-7008 or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had Kermit Apio in studio, all the way from Hawaii, well, Seattle, actually, but he's Hawaiian, Kermit Apio, next on the Best of... Run, JB, run! <laughs> oh man, yeah, a mile away. You getting a flashback, JB? It's getting very agitated. Gone through therapy, I'm good now. I love. Oh, you went through therapy? That you went through disco inferno therapy? Well, and plus he, um, you know, he had the near death experience, and that's when he became Catholic. And then, oh, okay. And um, you know, toward the end of his life he kind of made amends for all that crap too i mean he he really did he enjoyed his grandchildren a lot and mm-hmm. he also he would he wouldn't do it in front of us but like he would do it like when he was in hospice he the guy that took care of him he found out was uh, a friend of mine and my younger sister because we went to high school with him and he bragged about the two of us to, to that guy wow he would never do it in front yeah, of us yep. Yep. No, no 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 but then That's when crazy. i um after the funeral kenneth was one of the guys who came he said yeah your dad just talked about how proud he is of what you're doing and this that and the other so this is the same man who would always swear at me about chasing balls because <laughs> I'm, I'm an athletic equipment manager at the university of minnesota and he right. would always complain right. about chasing those balls ain't going to get you anywhere but then he, he you know he he saw where it got me you know it got me a college degree and all these other things and and 
he, you know, the, the line he would use, my children have taken me places I never thought I'd ever go. Wow. And it was all misery. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things I love about these conversations, you're talking about an African-American guy from St. Louis, a Hawaiian from Honolulu, a honky from Minneapolis, <laughs> uh, all these different cultures, and yet we have very, very similar stories. Do you think that the average person will ever understand we are all the same and they need to get off of this this whole train of dr- trying to drive us together, drive us apart? you got to do it my way. It's like, would you just leave people alone? People are fine. Yeah. And that's why I like to talk about this so much. All these different cultures, three different cultures we're talking here, and yet we all have the same experience, pretty much. Well, that's, then that's to me, going back to, to the comedy part of my life, that's one mm-hmm. thing that comedy has absolutely taught me. Because if you grow up on an island, one of the most isolated places on the planet, and you tell these stories about growing up or, um, you know, having a having a, a, a name like a frog and getting teased in school, and you, mm-hmm. and, 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 and you see oh, people yeah. who are yeah. from all these different walks of life, different races, different places, they're thousands of miles away from where I grew up, and yet they laugh yep. and relate and nod. You, yeah, it, comedy teaches you, like, we have these threads that make us way more similar than we are different. That's part of being human. Yep. I, well, I wish everybody would understand that. This whole idea now that that uh, that we're going to force people into diversity. We don't, you don't have to force anybody into diversity. Let's leave people alone. They'll be fine. Look, people were treated like dirt over the years. There's no doubt about that. And it needs, it needs to still improve. It really does. No doubt about that. But, you know, Kermit, you and I, I think, I believe, talked about this the last time I saw you a couple of years ago. But my wife finally agreed to watch the great movie uh, Once We're Warriors about a Maori yeah. family. Yeah. Uh, Maori, the Maori family. Uh, it, it is one of the greatest movies of all time. But my wife was traumatized yeah. for a week uh, after that. Yeah, I will never, I'll never watch that movie again. <laughs> I, man, it is. Oh, God. The, the kind of crying I did watching that movie hurts. <laughs> yep. No, I, see, that's exactly. I think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Because that was it, and I wish everybody out there, particularly like uh, you know upper middle class white people who've never been in, a, in their inner city in their lives, but they're experts on on race relations and all the rest of it. I just love those people. Yeah, I know how to do it. <laughs> nah, you, you really don't. But that's a perfect example. Here is a man, uh, a proud Maori warrior yeah. uh, from the day, you know, descendant of warriors, and here he is. He cannot function in that society, in right. the modern day society. He could not function properly. He did not feel like a real man uh he he would he he admits at the very beginning of the movie that he made i believe like a dollar an hour more than people on the dole that even though when he was working it really wasn't worth anything because he could make the same amount of money just sitting around on the dole right and he's a very strong big tough guy but he could not be a warrior anymore and it drove him crazy drove his family apart broke yep. his family up yep. there's a scene in this movie and Catherine, oh my god she yelled at me for about an hour <laughs> where he beats up his wife physically Oh yeah. man, is that a scene? That is, yeah, Woo. and that's that's one of those reasons I could never watch a movie again. It 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 just really was tough to watch. But but like you said, amazing message in that movie. I, the, the message in that movie is unbelievable, wonderful. Yeah. Then, heard, then again, I should say that I cry just about any movie with daddy issues. I want to point that out. Like that big fish movie with Ewan McGregor, I think oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah, I bawled yeah. at that movie, and it literally is a little fairy tale <laughs> about a guy who tells stories, and I'm just like, oh my god, his dad. They they talk. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a disclaimer I should put on there. <laughs> I, uh, but that's what we're talking about. I love that about you, Kermit, and that's why I've always liked you because you. I've been talking quite about because of this toxic masculinity thing that, that we've been talking about. Which yeah. God bless them, they talk about whatever they want. But my argument always is uh, like you, like JB, you know, Andy. Uh, a really, a truly masculine man does not do things like harm other people physically or force themselves on women. A true masculine man doesn't do that right yeah, yeah i agree they'll point it out or tell people to back off but they won't yeah no that's exactly right I, and i just think that's uh, that's why i love having this conversation because it's you know we all grew up pretty much uh, you know i guess daddy issues in one way or another uh some people were because kermit you were not your family was not poor they were you know your father made a nice living as a copper i'm assuming yeah we, we were we were kind of you know uh middle class you know right right down the middle yeah. you know you know but I, I just three people sitting here talking about the uh, the way they grew up, and it's r- eerily similar. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, you watch. Look, I, I'll tell you honestly, it's not not to the extent of, of you know, once we're warriors. But I remember when I finally, you know, ventured outside my neighborhood. I had a bitch of a time understanding what Minnesotans were even saying because I had <laughs> never heard that accent in my own right. neighborhood. Right. Nobody had that accent in my neighborhood when I was a kid. So I get out of my own neighborhood. I'm downtown. It's like, oh yeah, you know. I'm like, what? What the hell are these people doing? I could not even understand what the hell they were saying. Or <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? I heard a song. So it's kind of cool. I heard a song this morning at about uh, 5.25, 5.30, mm-hmm. and it was Her- Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Wake up, oh, everybody. I love them. Wake up, everybody. Wake up, everybody. And, and, and that's, no more sleeping in right. bed. And you listen to the lyrics, and we still have those same issues that they were yep, that's true. Uh, singing about in, back in the late 70s. You know, politicians ripping us off. Uh, yep. Uh, people that were supposed to teach us aren't teaching us. People who should be protecting us aren't protecting us. Preachers who are, you know, aren't. We still have those same, and even probably to a worse level than back then we still yeah, have maybe. those problems yeah maybe true yeah that's maybe true but but again once people once again I, I just love people who have never been involved in a culture but they're experts on that culture it's like what yeah why don't you shut up and listen to people who are from that culture and maybe you could learn something right. instead of thinking you know everything are beating them to into submission until they they do what is that fits what you're saying you know oh that's exactly it's so that's why i love these conversations what why people become comedians why people get on the radio why people yeah. try to entertain other people and it, and it's it's pretty common ground actually but it's also a wonderful thing about being being a human being that we all are the same we need to be treated the same not better not worse and some people are very uncomfortable with that because I I generally in my life treat everyone the same not better not worse everybody gets treated the same and that's just how it is and some people don't like that oh you should treat pe- certain people better than others why well because they need a break well I give them all the breaks in the world but I'm not going to treat them better I don't know them, you know. I'll treat them with respect, like everybody else. But I'm not going to elevate someone until I know what the hell they're all about, right? Right. And first of all, I can't elevate anybody anyway. So what the hell am I even talking? (laughs) It's just you know, it's one of those kind of deals. Well, um, that's why I love these conversations. So when I when I was a kid, uh, this is this is a really turning point in my life, man. When I was a kid, I, our neighborhood did not have many white people. They they kind of lived in this one part of the neighborhood, and most of them were with the military. That's where they were on that side of the right. island. And the part the part of the island I'm from, you don't see on the brochures. It's not you, you know what I mean. It's not a place where tourists go. <laughs> and, um, and you know, come come see red dirt and fighting chickens. It, it's really not <laughs> love it. You know, so love it. so uh, this one family didn't get the memo, and they moved in uh, in the cul de sac right across the street from my family and these two poor kids were blonde blue-eyed kids in this in this area yeah (laughs) and it was so awkward for them and they just they just walked around with constant fear you know (laughs) and so one day i'm talking to my friends and i don't know what i was thinking but just as kind of a dare i said hey i'm gonna go talk to those kids and they went no you're not and i said yes i am and just to bug them i wasn't trying to be groundbreaking (laughs) i was like irritating them so i was walking towards the two kids they were in their yard i was walking towards them looking back at my friends and they're like no hey no 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 hey hey Hey, you know, like trying to stop me. And then I got to their yard, and I didn't realize what I was doing. I was, and and they looked so scared. They were frozen, Aww. you know. And uh, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I sort of set up a thing to bug my friends, and I was standing there within feet of them. And I just said, "Hey, what's your name? And what are your names?" And I and I got their names, and I started talking to them. And um, and so every once in a while, like I would go over and, and just chat with them, you know. And uh, one day their mom came out, and she said, "Hey, uh, you know, whatever her name was," and, and and she said, "What is your name?" I said, "My name's Kermit. I live at that house over there." She goes, "She goes, well, thanks for coming to talk to the boys." Uh, she you want to come to dinner tonight? And Aww. I was like, I said, okay. So I, I, I went over and asked my mom if I can go to dinner. And uh, so she whips up something to make so I can, you know, uh, to take over. And so I take it over there. And so I'm having dinner with a family that does not look like anyone I know. I mean, I mean, they are blonde. They are, and, they, and like you said about when you came to Minnesota, their accent, I can't really understand <laughs> some things they're saying. And, <laughs> right. Right. So then she brings this thing out and she puts it on my plate. And I said, what is this? She goes, oh, it's called mac and cheese. You, have you never had mac and cheese? She goes, and I said, no, I've never had this. And I start, I take one bite of this stuff, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> this is the, and I, and I, I, I uh, impolitely, I ate like three servings of this stuff, going, this is the, what else do white people know about? This is incredible. <laughs> and, 
So I come after after Love dinner. It. I thank them. I go running home. I go, Mom, Mom, Mom. You ever heard of a thing called mac and cheese? <laughs> and my mom goes, Yeah. And, she, and I said, Why don't we eat that? <laughs> and, and and she's like, I, I don't know. I've seen it at the store. We just don't eat that, you know. And and it was this amazing thing. So I so I actually became closer friends with the kids, and then folded them into the group of the right. kids in the neighborhood, and they just That's became part great. of our group. And um, so I you know so I'm not taking credit for making these bold moves and ending racism in my neighborhood, what I am saying is that mac and cheese ended racism in my neighborhood. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, that's how a life should be. But but like you said, like you said, I was I was doing something silly to annoy my friends, and all of a sudden I got to know these guys, and I and I realized that, that you know, man, they're they're great, and they have cool stuff in their life, and we have cool stuff in our life, and mm-hmm. and and uh, it, it was such a cool moment for me, and it, it really it really taught me a lot. Well, Bill Burr has a bit in one of his uh, specials on Netflix, and he talks about how every group should have uh, diversity in it because, and uh, what he uses as an example is the white guy can tell the black guys about the gun laws in the country, and the black guys can tell white people about being ashy. <laughs> 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 the use of lotion. The wrong being ashy, man. <laughs> but it, it, you know, in a deeper level, what he's trying to what he's trying to say is get to know each other, and you can help each other out. That's it. Yeah, That's yeah. It. If I don't talk to those kids, I don't know what mac and cheese is. I lose that joy out of my. Right. I don't have that joy in my life. You know, mac and cheese. Right? Did you True. did you bring over a can of spam to kind of train? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that Hawaiians love spam. spam. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Spam and. Uh, what, what do you make? Spam and eggs? Uh, spam and everything. But, well, really, it, yeah. yeah, you can. You can. <laughs> spam if everything. you go to McDonald's, Fry Burger King, spam. they all have some kind of spam stuff on the menu. Whether it's, whether wow. it's a spam Wonderful. burger or a huh. the breakfast things, they have they have the spam and egg breakfast. Yep. Yeah, at fast food places, huh. they have it. That's you know, so weird. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a Minnesota's in, own. I had a friend in college, and she just had you know because you're in dorms, so you have to have like canned good stuff mm-hmm. if you want to have food in your dorm, and that's yep. all like she had right. Just, Stacks like a pyramid. Pyramid. She's like, I'm ho- I'm from Hawaii. Like we, this is what we eat. <laughs> what we do. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But well, yeah, years Spam ago, Acme. Uh, years ago, Acme was trying to get me like a little tour down there, you know. And and uh, so they called and they said, hey, we have a comedian who'd like to take a tour. And they were like, oh, you know, and uh, we don't really do that kind of thing. And 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 I realized they don't they, they get enough jokes written about spam, right? So they don't yeah. want a comedian down there. And they said, oh, I mean, they said he can go. Be, this is before the museum was built. He said they can go to the mall and there's a little exhibit there and, and he can check that out. And they oh. said, oh, okay, okay, good, good. Yeah, he'll do that. He's a, he's a comedian, so he's going down there for the day. Or uh, not, not a comedian. They said he's Hawaiian, so he's going down there for the day. And I swear they go, oh, he's Hawaiian? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, we have a lot of uh, Hawaiians come here for tours. <laughs> they changed completely. <laughs> yes, this is true. I love that, yes. man. And so uh, the person who was managing Acme at the time took me down there and we spent the day and they took me into the archives. They took me uh, the warehouse where all the if, you know when you buy like clothing or mm-hmm. all the merchandise yeah. they took me that warehouse they they have like letterman high school letterman jackets That's you know that, uh, spam stuff on it and, uh. and seriously when I went from comedian to Hawaiian it changed their perception of me completely. <laughs> there you go. So well we don't see a whole lot of Hawaiians on the mainland so there's that no yeah but but they know that Hawaiians love that stuff and that's I mean, like they, the they one are, thing most yeah. people know about Hawaiians right? <laughs> ladies and gentlemen tonight Night two shows, tomorrow night two shows. Kermit, always a great pleasure to see your name on the docket. Uh, know that I'm going to talk to you again. I love our conversations. I'm Thank honored. you so much. Thank you so much for having me. We shall be right back, Tom Bernard Show. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. That was Kermit Apio on The Best Of. Coming up next, we had Eleanor Kerrigan, former wrestler turned comedian on the podcast. Next on The Best Of. Anyone whose name is Lynn. Oh, <laughs> I heard it all, Shy. I heard it all. 
So I need I like to write name, Lynn, Lynn on this receipt yeah. in between <laughs> the first name and the last name. No. Oh, man, he's keeping a record. I'm the record keeper of the show. He was Ladies so and gentlemen, excited. House of Comedy. <laughs> when he found it, when he What's found that? that receipt, he was so. He's like, guys, I know Got what her me. real name is. <laughs> it's a it's, it's a rare true. thing in a black community to know, to know somebody's real name for real. That's true. I'm telling you, to this day, I, I can't imagine how many people I just don't know their real names. It's Pookie. That's Pookie over there. Mm-hmm. My What's God, his real name? If you ever need to know, Pookie. I don't know. Yeah. You know. You have two friends named Pookie? Mm-hmm. It's a very important. One's name white, one's black. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, you know, know white Pookies? Yeah. The white Pookie in my phone here. Yeah, white white Pookie. Pookie and black, black Pookie. Pookie. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. White Pookie, That's black you Pookie. You have to know who's calling. Yeah. <laughs> you got to answer properly. That's true. That's, that's very, very true. Absolutely. Eleanor Kerrigan in studio. She's at the House Comedy tonight and tomorrow night and a 7 o'clock show on Sunday as well. Yeah. So th- now you've been here before, have you? I have. I I was just telling Shy. I only been here once. I can't think of the Mystic name Lake. of it. What was it called? Mystic Lake. It's it's a casino way up north. Like we had to take oh, a commuter, no, and then we drove like another two hours. Oh, that's not Mystic Lake. Oh, okay. Northern Light. That's Northern Light. Dude, I Either I'm Northern telling you, I thought yeah. that somebody booked this that didn't like dice. <laughs> And they were going to kill us. Like, I didn't see any happy faces or smiley face people, but I I saw, like, that was a callback to the murder. Anyway, yeah, so I go ahead. Right, right. So no, when you're good, driving good. and you see nothing, like, I didn't see a mailbox. I didn't, all I saw were trees, dense woods. And then all of a sudden, a casino pops up out of nowhere. And we're playing there again yeah. April 15th. <laughs> By the way. As soon as I figure out the name of it, I forgot. But I, I've only been there with Dice. And they kept saying, like, Bob Dylan was born in this town. And I was yes, like, oh, that's awesome. Hibbing. I learned that a lot. Of it's stuff. A, Listen, you're talking about Hibbing, Minnesota. Yeah. And so we flew into there. That's mm-hmm. where the commuter took us. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so then we drove another couple hours. It felt and like. That was pr- yeah, I'm pretty sure that you're talking about, about maybe Northern Lights Casino or... God, what's the name of that other one over there? It's unbelievable. Wow. It's a nice area. Yeah, yeah oh, it was beautiful. And the oh, casino yeah. was great, yeah. and it was packed. And I was like, where'd all these people come from? Like, I didn't see anybody. I didn't see life of any sort. <laughs> not a building, not a house. It was just, I don't know, terrifying. What happens when you get up north? Yeah. All they got to do is gamble, so. Right. But they were out, man. So <laughs> that's all. They all. Got. I've never actually hung and stayed in uh, Minneapolis or where am I? Bloomington? Bloomington. Bloomington. Uh, Bloomington, yeah. But it's nice. It's cool. The Mall of America is amazing. I've been on the Marigo round like six yeah. times. <laughs> oh, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> they won't let me. Yeah. So I don't have no, any I, kids, I so I'm not allowed to walk around and play. <laughs> they, so they're like, they no creepy old lady, is get out of here. No. no. Oh, in New York, <laughs> it just would look real weird. But in New York, uh, we were sitting at a park in Hell's Kitchen. And we were just sitting there eating lunch like it was me and Dice. I mean, maybe it doesn't look normal, but we were just sitting eating lunch. And uh, there was a sign if you don't have children Children. with you, if you don't have your kids with you or whatever, that you had to get out. And I was like, what the hell happens in this part? But you forget how creepy the world is today. Mm -hmm. It's always been. It's just more out in the open now. But, yeah, we were like, oh, we were so nauseous. We were like, let's just leave the park before we get arrested for sitting watching kids play. Because there was a bunch of kids playing. But we were just eating and talking trash in the corner. We weren't bothering them. But, yeah, we got kicked out. Yeah, too dangerous, though. But yeah. that used to be one of the greatest things you could do was sit and watch kids play. Or play chess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Play. Right. Sure. That was normal. Sure, I grew up across yeah, the street well. from a playground, thank God, because my mother could get us out of the house. Right. Something to do. Go. My mom used to say, go out, go play in traffic. I didn't know what that meant. That's what she used to say to me. <laughs> my mom used to say that. And Definitely I didn't, didn't like us, I'm going to say. We had a, <laughs> go play in traffic. We had a vacant lot next to our house. Which we eventually, my parents bought. Oh, but wow. Look at that, you, bougie. Right. Yeah, bougie. Oh, bougie. I like if you, bougie. If you, if you knew the property value of property in St. Louis. It's really bougie. Yeah, it's really, it's really non-existent. But, um... Yeah, it was our, it was our baseball field. It was our football field. It was our soccer field. It was it was oh, wow. everything. It was everything but our hockey rink that we played in the alley. Yeah. Oh, but, cool. But everything else. No skates pl- or skates. No, just uh, just our shoes. Yeah, street hockey. Yeah, my street favorite. hockey. Yeah. 
And then I oh listen listen to Kerrigan though. Hey man, I'm, super, I'm, super, I'm an athlete. Super Irish. <laughs> Are you? Are you an athlete? I Are used you? to wrestle. I'm Easy Rider. You're you talking did? To Easy Rider right, right, right yes, here. Easy Rider. By the way, that premieres. What? Uh, I forgot. I, I do that. commentary for them. Um, wow, Women of Wrestling. Are you? On mm-hmm. uh, it premieres on Access TV. Sure. I think tonight is today the 19th. Tomorrow the 18th. It is. 18th or 9th? I thought it was Friday. Oh, it's 18th. Tomorrow night. Yeah, so I'm sorry. It's Friday the 18th. Yeah. It's on Access TV. It's uh, I do the commentary. Yep. Me and wow. David McLean and, uh, uh, oh my God, I can't think of his name. Da- oh, that's uh, Dickie. Nice. Stephen Dickey. Eleanor. I'm so terrible. But we do the commentary. <laughs> you made that up as you went along. No, I'm I love dead that when serious. people do that. Yes, I know the guy's name is Mark Thomas. Yeah, Stephen okay. Dickey nice is the, uh, thank God for him because he <laughs> he's in my ear telling me like, no, bitch, that's not that move. Because <laughs> I haven't done it in a while. But in 2001, right. I wrestled uh, for Wow Women of Wrestling. An so amazing dropkick I have. Easy Rider. Easy Rider. Did? She said it. We were Harley's Angels. So the, yeah. the thing about wrestling. I remember, oh, I remember yeah. that group. Is they get away with blatant stereotypical oh, yeah. things. So yeah. we had, we were white trash <laughs> bikers. Right. And then the girls that we wrestled, my favorite, were Caged Heat. And they were breaking out of prison. It was a Mexican girl and a black girl. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So you were part of Harley's Angels yes. with Charlie Davidson and Thug. Yes, Thug okay. was my, oh, she's the best. <laughs> she trained us. You know, she, you could tell by her mullet that she's the professional. Mm-hmm. She's phenomenal. So she lives his life for real. Yeah, she used to wrestle in Japan like killer. Well, like, I know yeah, there's some footage out there of the uh, matches back there. Yeah. I don't know. There's a could, bunch. Did you yeah. call them oh, matches? Are, yeah, yes, you could call oh them matches. Well, I don't know. I don't know wrestling. Oh, yeah. I, I, go. I you know wrestling? That I watched ago. the show back then. Said? Matter of fact, my family, it was a religious thing to watch it Wait back a minute. Then. You would sit, watch this with your family? Not Wow Women of Wrestling. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> All right. With my mother. And, <laughs> but um, You didn't have a lot of channels? Back then, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no this. Remember, like there was nine kids. Eighteen years ago, yeah. Right. But um, okay, I'm going to try to do my best Gene Okerlund impression since oh, he just passed away God within the last soul, month. Huh? You know, Minnesota guy, Minnesota yeah, guy. Alone. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight it is Friday night, the 18th on Access TV. WOW Women of Wrestling. Let's go to the scene. Yeah, it's tonight. <laughs> It's oh, tonight it is tonight. Access okay, TV. I knew it was Friday. Yep. I just, for some reason, I had the 19th in my head. Oh, I didn't know he died. Indeed. He just died. did, yeah. Yeah, he just died. Yeah, he mm. just died. But Sad. I never met Gene Okerlund, but I, everyone tells me he was just a great guy. Really good guy. That's that. Now, so that's, that's cool. a part of my childhood. Like so, him. So, did, yeah, you, yeah. did you attend the reunion? What reunion? For the wrestling. For Glow. No. I'm not in glow. Oh, you're that in, was, wow. See, wow. you you're that making me older W-O-W. than I am. Yeah, That's I, the problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> glow was in the 90s, right. early 90s. Yeah, she but, was at 2000 to 2002. Okay. Thank you. See, we got canceled go. quick. Glow went a very long time. Glow was well, a know. decent... T- it's the same producer, right. David McClain. Yes. Great guy. Right. But then he right. sold the rights to it, and now they have that TV show, Glow, which is doing phenomenal on yes. Netflix. It's a great yep. show. Mm-hmm. Mark Maron plays a manager. He's excellent. You know what I mean? So it's a good thing, but I feel bad that David sold the rights, and now yeah, it's now. killing. So, but well, now, WOW is owned by, by David and Jeannie Buss, right? Yes, yes. Jeannie Buss is one of my biggest fans. Yeah. She was a big Easy Rider yeah. fan. I used to take <laughs> yep. pictures with her. When we practiced, we, we um, wrestled at the Forum in Inglewood. So still the Sparks were there, and I'd be jogging around, and I'd be like, oh, my God, because Michael Cooper was their coach at the time. Right. So I was like, oh, oh wow, yeah. that's Michael Cooper. And they're like, yeah, but there's Lisa Leslie. I'm like, yeah, but that's Michael Cooper. <laughs> 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 I mean, she's cool, she's but cool. it was, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was just, I don't know. I was a big sports person. I think it's because I have six brothers, and I didn't know I was yeah, a girl probably. until like a week ago. <laughs> Eleanor, I got to tell you something. I spent most of my life uh, in the gym with professional wrestlers, uh, the Road Warriors. Oh, wow. Uh, you go down the list. I, I used to lift weights with all those guys, and I think, I think Animal and I are the only ones who are still alive. Animal, George the Animal Steel? Animal? No. Uh, no, 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 Animal, animal from, uh, from the Road Warriors. Road Warriors. Oh, wow, okay. I don't know that one. I know the name, but I didn't know 
That's weird. Yeah, they got their big break here in Minnesota. Okay. AWA days. Yeah, wrestlers don't live long. Real wrestlers. No, they don't. No, they don't. It's sad. Between the wear and tear, even though everything is predetermined, the wear and tear on their bodies and the drugs they take and the partying they're doing, their hearts wind up exploding, basically. Predetermined. No, I don't know why you would say something like that on air. Uh, yeah, it's true. Anyway, well, they, it's all true. <laughs> they've admitted to My that goodness, now. huh? I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> you still right have to now, take the falls and get hit. And well, all that that's stuff. what I said. Yeah. There's wear and tear on the body, though. If you watch the movie The Wrestler, yeah, that is pretty graphic and pretty love real. Love it. Yeah, Absolutely amazing. Love it. Sadly, it was great. Great movie. The title of this I got to tell you something. Disturbing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Shy found something in the corner. 13 Uh-oh. things mentally strong women don't do. <laughs> Tell me about that, Tom. Be on the Tom Bernard show. <laughs> <laughs> you probably got a point. Is that the first one, Shy? Let's hear it, Shy. First one. No, 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 no. What is uh, it? I got to tell... Very quick story for Eleanor. Okay, um, I'm excited. My wife, my wife is a, I love her. She's a, she's a very strong woman, though. She will tell you what she thinks. Good for her. So we used to get together all the time with, with Hawk from the Road Warriors. I was Hawk and Animal, the Road Warriors, Legend of Doom, or the Legion of Doom, Legion excuse of Doom. me. Legion of Doom. Legion yeah. of Doom. Yeah, Legion of Doom. So, <laughs> so we're sitting at this nice restaurant, and, and Hawk and my wife get in an argument over that, uh, what was her name? Washington, the Washington woman that Mike Tyson. De- uh, Desiree uh, Washington. Desiree Washington, yes. So they're, they're arguing over the, whether Desiree Washington wanted to have sex with him or he forced himself on her. Oh. And so Catherine's going, oh, my God, it's just disgusting. How, seriously, Hawk, how can you even take up his side of this whole thing? It's ridiculous you take a side. And there's this long pause. He goes just like this. She took off her panty liner. <laughs> That's specific. <laughs> Was he there? <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, really? Jesus, that's uh, that's your argument. Oh, it was it was phenomenal. He got so upset. He used to carry a sock full of coins with him. Okay, you know, as a defense weapon. Yeah, hit himself over the head right in the middle of the restaurant, and the coins went everywhere. Oh I will my never god. forget. It. Oh my god, it was fun lifting with those guys. A lot of NFL players, uh, professional wrestlers. We had a ball. It was wonderful. That's great. Being around those. Do you like being around those people? Because I do. Yeah, they're a little nutty, but I love them. I mean, yeah, especially when I was wrestling, I was also waiting tables at the comedy store. <laughs> so I'm not going to oh, say yeah. they paid well, but uh, we, you know, we did. No, it was exactly. fun. You know, and I would be, I would come in to the comedy store. I'd have like black eye, broke. I had a hairline fracture in my collarbone. I broke my pinky. Oh, and man. the owner of the comedy store, Mitzi Shore, she'd be because I was her assistant sure. also. So I'd walk in and and she'd be like, oh. Honey, who did that to you? Mm. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I told Aww. you I'm doing the wrestling. And she's like, you don't have to lie to me. Like, she didn't believe me. Oh, <laughs> right. like, oh, she, she thought somebody was somebody's beating, you beating me up. Like, right. relax. Oh, man, but uh, yeah, but then the girls would come in and I'd introduce her and she'd see them all bruised and she'd be like, all right. And then we would wrestle in the kitchen of the comedy <laughs> store, like, just to entertain people. Oh, love it. They were just so full of energy and they still are. And these girls that are on this show, Wow, that's starting tonight. They're, I mean, I was good, but these girls are phenomenal. Like, uh, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're really, really, really talented athletes. Extremely talented athletes. Like, I got thrown into it because of my talking, Mm -hmm. but these Mm -hmm. girls have been doing it for a long time. Right. And and really right. like underground and stuff like that, and I was like, oh wow. Sometimes I'd be like, I want to get in there and fight, you know, because I get excited. But then I'm like, I might get my ass kicked right now. I might just shut my mouth and just <laughs> hey, it talk all works trash. out. We've only got 35 seconds left, and I got to tell you something. One of my favorite oh, of all time, mm-hmm. professional wrestler. Uh, he's doing he's doing the door at a club. There's a, some problems. Some bikers came in and started some trouble. So he said, "You guys got to go. I'm sorry. You got you can't be here. You got to go." So he's escorting him out, and they turn on him. And one of the guys pulls a knife on him. Okay. He grabbed the blade of the knife and took it out of the guy's hand. Nice. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, cut you themselves. Probably don't want to mess with him intentionally to right. bleed more on. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yep, not, a, a knife is nothing. <laughs> Eleanor, you're the best. No, House you of Comedy Thank tonight. Thank you so much. Yo, guy, you're wonderful. I, I love talking. I, see, my mother was a very tough woman. I loved my mother. I, I like tough talking women. My wife's one. I, so I love talking to you. It's a oh, wonderful thank you. thing. <laughs> I'm thank just you. a tough talker. I'm not that tough. <laughs>
Yeah. I'm kidding. It all works out in the end. It's one of the 13 we'll things we do wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was 14. I thought it was 14. No, now we're down to 13. 13. <laughs> uh, we'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. That was Eleanor Kerrigan on the best of. Coming up next, closing out the show, we're opening up the vault. All the way back to episode 419 with Tom Rhodes. Next on the best of. I inhaled something. I don't know what the hell it was, but I don't think I'll pass away. I think I'll be all right. Hippie. Yep. Yeah, it's exactly. Typical. <laughs> I watched, I should mention, of course, Tom Rhodes with us. He's at Acme tonight and tomorrow night, 8 and 10.30, both nights, right? I hope so. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's funny. Dion Cole. You ever met Dion Cole? Mm-mm. Dion's a very, very funny guy. <laughs> and he said, I said, what time's your... He was on the show yesterday. I said, what's showtime tonight? I get just one show on Thursdays. What's showtime tonight? And he goes, 9.45. I said, no, I, I'm pretty sure that's when you come on. <laughs> I think the people might want to get there a little earlier than that. <laughs> He's 9.45. Nice good guy. Really good writer. Really good human being. If you ever run across him on the road, you know. Writes for Conan. Appears on Conan. And those, when, yeah. when Conan appears with the, the black guy... <clears throat> on uh, his show, and they do a, a white and black skit. That's always Dion. Okay. And he arrived yesterday, hadn't slept in a day, just got off the airplane, and we, when he walked in, he sat down in that chair where you are, and went, I'm really tired. I'm like, oh, this ought to go really well. <laughs> Great. But it actually went well. He, was, he, he perked right up. So it all worked out in. Well, I've been looking forward to coming back on your show for the last year and a half. I kind of... Um, Felt like I upset your family the last time I was on the podcast. Well, you called them one percenters. That's probably why. <laughs> what, you upset I thought the it was the Royal Tannenbaum's comment that upset everybody. <laughs> the Royal Yeah, they got over it. You know, I will tell you what, honestly. I, I thought that was a pure compliment. I would want my family to be like that. You would? Yeah, artistic, writers, painters. Yeah, that's true. That you, was know? A, you know, that was a hell of a good movie. I thought it was one of my favorites. It was and a then terrific I movie. talked to my friend Robert Hawkins about a month later, and he goes, yeah, I was just in... Minneapolis and Tom's family's all upset because you call them the Royal Tannenbaums. I'm like, who would take that as a bad thing? I don't think that's what a, I don't think they were all upset. At, you were crabbier than hell that day. <laughs> it was the one percenter comment. You, no, you were just crabbier than a hell that day, and I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something you said, Tom. No, you said. no, not at all. I love Tom. He's been good to me. It, I honest to God, uh, it was so great yesterday because you came in. And you were ready, to, and you were just ready to go. I had a ball talking to you yesterday. Your show is great, and I realize you know you've got the most soothing voice. And oh, like yeah. you know, you, I do like morning radio shows all around the country, and it's actually the worst thing about being a comedian. Oh God, yes. because well, and your your uh, partner did it to me uh, yesterday on the the bike story right before the oh. punchline. He jumped in, but a lot of times they, they do that on morning radio shows. But you know you. You had set me up so perfectly. Like I'm under the net, and you got me the ball, and I'm like, okay, I got to, I got to dunk this. There's nobody around, and you know, you set a comedian up perfectly, and uh, and you know, you got such a soothing voice, which is so much nicer than like a lot of radio shows around the country. They got bells and they're wacky, and like I don't want to. I'm just waking up, you know. Please, I need a nice soothing voice like yours. You know, you know what's interesting about what your comment just now? Because Chad Daniels, you know Chad Daniels, I think maybe great uh, comedian. Yeah, I, I know of him. Yeah. The first time I met Chad, I hated his guts, mm. and now I just love the guy. It's just kind of how I am. I'm, Tom, I'm I'm an odd guy, I really am. Well, I mean, that's the same as, like, junior high school. You know, guys you fought with or end up being your best friends in life. Yeah, know? that's true. So it just, it's, I don't know. Don will tell you. Ralph will tell you. Have I, you gotten over the 1% comment yet? <laughs> Tom and I went, uh, our junior high school, We a little bit different than your experience, apparently, because uh, all of our junior high school buddies that we fought with are dead or in jail. That's true. Mm. Yeah. 
the inner city thing. <laughs> oh, it's true. No, absolutely. It was funny because the guy pissed me off because he was, you know, something we just talked about. Probably won't talk about on the show, but I said, you know, if you ever end up in prison, I know about half the guys in there because I went to high school with them. It's not going to go real well for you in there. I'll just tell you. But it's funny. I would. Uh, my last friend that was sent to prison, I would go visit him every weekend. And the odd thing is, and I, I guess it's the mentality, is that a lot of the prisoners there I knew, and I knew all the guards because it's that cop or criminal thing. You know, it's just that mindset, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It's just bizarre. But, yeah, knowing all that. I'd come in there and talk to the guards. I'd talk to the – you ever visit anybody in prison? Uh-uh. It's interesting because when you come in as a visitor, especially you come in with your wife and daughter, which we did, um, the guys that are in prison, even though it's in the visitor's room, the guys that are in there have to prove to you that they're really tough. So, like, you would walk by and they would do this. They push their chair back so you can't get by. You know, I'm just here visiting, but you got to prove to me you're a real tough guy. And I would just pat him on the shoulder and go, you know, I'm going home and you're not. <laughs> Let me just point that out to you. Now, let's talk about your life. Which one of a lot of friends in prison? You get growing. Well, his, you know, uh, you don't want to spend time in prison. I mean. <laughs> no. No, you don't. And by Didn't the way, we all see Midnight Express? <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Whoa. <laughs> that, did, that took the edge off, off of me wanting to go to prison. I spent a weekend in jail in Little Rock, Arkansas when I was 19. Uh, a friend of mine, his family moved there after high school. I grew up in Orlando. And I started going on the road when I was 18. And so I would stop by and visit him. And we were drinking beers, talking to girls uh, on the river. The, uh, right downtown Little Rock. On one side is the building, small little downtown. And uh, we were talking to these girls, and the cops came, and it was open container law. And uh, I just spent one night in jail, and that was enough. I would never do any serious crime, you know? No. I mean, stick with the misdemeanors, kids. You know? <laughs> if you're going to be a criminal, you know, stay low. Um, and pay your taxes. That's how they bust all Al Capone and all those bigger criminals. But, that is uh, true. But yeah, no, I don't even want to visit anybody in jail. It's it's not it's not pleasant because you have to buy currency because you can't. You're not supposed to bring more than a few dollars in with you. You have to buy this prison currency to use, and it's it's a weird deal. It's a very very weird deal. But part of that was I would be sitting. I dropped out of high school when I was in eleventh grade. Uh, so sitting around 11th grade, I'm like, I don't really want to be here. I'm not really all that interested in it. But I'm sitting talking to this guy. His name was Kenny. This guy I went to high school with. And I said, what are you going to do today? Goes, ah, Push up. Do something. I, I do something. And we're just sitting in a lunchroom at the high school, North High School in Minneapolis. And I said, oh, so you're going to go back to class? He goes, no, nah, I think I'm going to leave after, after lunch. And he said, I don't feel like being here today. I said, okay. So I went home, came back the next day. He said, you hear about Kenny? I said, no, what about Kenny? He said, he went over to the Clark gas station and shot and killed a, a pump operator and got $17. Wow. So it's kind of weird to go from, hey, what's going on, Kenny? To all of a sudden you realize the guy murdered someone about an hour later. And you go, you know, I'm kind of glad I was in the high school that day. But it's just a, it's a weird thing to experience. And you experience it a lot when you grow up around psych, psychopaths. I mean, they are. That's the whole thing. They're just psychopaths. I'm trying to think of well, the guy who interrupted you by the name. By the way, his name is Jeff. Tom has this mag, and I'm not asking you to tell the story. Yet. He has this magnificent story about a bicycle, a bicycle ride, and you know, I'm not. I wouldn't ask you to do it again because I don't do that either. That's the other thing about radio people that I love. Hey, do that one joke about. Oh God, I hate it. My wife will do that to me at parties. You know, like I'm a jukebox. <laughs> hey, uh, pull up a seventeen. My jukebox. But it's interesting. I lived in Amsterdam. And I uh, I moved there for a girl that I fell in love with, and she, we broke up. And I, I I you know she's still having sex with me, and I, I I wanted to get back together with her. And she said, "I thought you knew this was just physical." I got upset, and I'm riding my bike, and I had this wreck, and then I had to be on television the next day, and my face was mangled. It's a it's a long heroic true story that happened to me. But your partner Jeff, you know that's the thing about being a comedian, and you travel, and you got to go in and do these shows. And it's always very flattering if somebody has looked up some information about you. Uh, he didn't know anything about me. 
So we're making small talk. He's making small talk before we go live. And he asked, so where are you from? I grew up in Orlando, Florida. I said, originally Orlando, Florida. So he's st- my father was a salesman. I know the technique. I also make this mistake sometimes myself. Oh, you're from Minneapolis. Then I'm going to tell you everything I know about Minneapolis right. to try and win your friendship. It's an old salesman's technique. So he starts telling me, talk, we're talking about Florida. Um, I, I didn't mention that I haven't lived there since I was 20. My family, 47 now. I've lived a big life since then. Uh, and then it, right before we go on, and he's telling me all about Florida, and I go, I mentioned Amsterdam and that I had a late-night talk show there. So uh, we go live. You know a lot about me because we've known each other for years. Right. And we're talking, and you mentioned Amsterdam, and he throws in, he had a late-night talk show there. Okay. <laughs> like, like, like he had done research or something. And then, uh, and, then, and then you set me up. I'm under the basket. You throw me the ball. I, I'm scoring, baby. I'm going in. And then Jeff runs in and, and then, pulls your shorts down. it's a down. long story, too. <laughs> it takes a good three, four minutes to tell it the way, you know, and this heart, how in love I was with this girl and this emotional bike wreck that I had and almost losing my job because I had to be on television and my face was mangled. And then uh, and it was, this, it was this, this gay gentleman who worked in the makeup area in this department store saved me. He did my makeup. Uh, before I went to the job. And so, like, and I'm telling the story, and the guy goes, uh, Jeff goes, I bet he didn't even work there. Like, right? <laughs> oh, okay. That's great. That's right. I forgot what he said. Yeah. But then what did you say? As he was saying, I bet he didn't even <laughs> work there. You said. Goes, Thanks for uh, killing the punchline with your uh, weaker observation. <laughs> 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 On my true story that I actually, you know, had to bleed for. That's a That's a huge problem on that show, to tell you the truth. Oh, really? Because you'll get rolling, and just as you're about to get there, it's just trampled. It's, I don't know, I, and I talk to him about it a lot. I say, you know, you just, basically, I do the show from my house, the radio show, from my house, because to me, radio, no one should be together when they're doing radio, because it's radio. So you listen first, and then you talk. Whereas you know, sitting around here, it works because it's so conversational. You can say whatever you want on a podcast, do whatever you want on a podcast. But yeah, I do it because I like to listen to what people are saying and react to it. Whereas I guess some people, when you're looking at you, they think they can just jump in whenever they want to. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it should be like that. Um, it's almost like jazz and listening to the yeah. other instruments and stuff. It's also knowing when that a person who is stem winding a story that there's got to be a button on that story. You're going well, to put and a, a bow on it, and, and so you're, you're going on... so you got to let people go. Precisely. And even there's a pause. An uncomfortable piece for radio might be dead air, but you know that you're going to put the button on it. You're but going I mean, to close that, it out that, with a that, punch. That, that, that split second pause is called timing, that's which right. every comedian that's right. absolutely needs. And then as a comedian, you come on as a guest on on a, a morning radio show. You only have five ten minutes to you know. Make the listener laugh. Make them think, oh, my God, I like this guy. I'm going to go pay money. And then when you go into a, a lot of uh, shows, not all of them. I mean, there's some there's some great ones. Um, but when somebody jumps in right on your punchline, and it's something, I mean, th- there was a joke I did about going to Peru and eating guinea pig. And I, this was in San Francisco, and this woman jumps in. Tastes like chicken. Like, like, of course, uh, you, you don't need comedians if you're going to just go with the most mediocre, you know, low-par thought. I mean, anyone could have said, tastes like chicken, you know? But anyway. What, what did it taste like? <laughs> it was uh, greasy and a little rubbery. Uh, you know when you, you ever had, like, duck that wasn't very yes. good? yeah. Duck can be either fabulous or terrible and greasy. Yeah. I mean, it, it was beyond that because it was a little more rubbery and chewy. So not nice. You know, what you were talking about, and, and it might have been the same guy who did it to you. And this is not a great joke or anything, but it's just it, the same thing had happened to me the day before. There was this woman in town used to do a, a radio show, and she was she used to go after me on her show all the time. So I didn't dislike her. Didn't like, I didn't really know her. But she's a pretty large woman, right? And so Terry, the woman on our show, loves to have these psychics and mediums on, and it drives me nuts. I hate that shit. I'm, I'm not a fan. 
But she, so she has this medium on, and we're talking, and the medium said, you know, I was on the, the air one other time in Minneapolis, St. Paul. I said, oh, is that right? She goes, yeah, I went on the show with this woman. Uh, she did her show from a hot tub, which she did. She did. Mm. I don't know why she did, but whatever. And I said, oh, is that right? Yeah, she said, she wanted me to get into the hot tub with her to do the show. And I said, uh, well, if you'd gotten in the hot tub, you'd be the only medium in there. But as soon as I said that, he says, you know, she's very ill right now. Same Why? Thing. Why did you say that? <laughs> uh, first of all, I didn't Before know the some people are born <laughs> comedy killers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Why I mean, that is, that's like a cock block. That's just, it's a cock yeah, block. Yeah. It's terrible. I don't really understand it either. It's just, it's, it's. But especially on radio, I mean, there's all kinds. I'm sure we all know plenty of tragic stories we could bring up right now (laughs) that would depress everyone and make them cry. I mean, why, why would he have to throw that in? I can't get over thinking about Barbara Carlson being ill now. Yeah, I didn't. First of all, I didn't know it. I had no idea she was, and it's just you know, I just basically called her a fat broad don't bring that up now let it go you know uh we talked about this yesterday tom but it, it is true loosely does a great job it's a great venue it's a for especially for a guy who does comedy the way you do it's a phenomenal room for you well, I mean, you know, Lewis has been very loyal to me through the years. I got nothing but love for him. I think there should be a historic marker in front of Acme Comedy Club. I mean, you know, he has a specific uh, taste in comedians, mm-hmm. and he's always brought a lot of very intelligent, hard-hitting comedians. There's a lot of Midwestern touring hacky acts that he has yeah. not brought here. Right. Uh, and all the greatest comedians in American history of the last 30 years has played there and then also developed there and started there. I mean, Mitch Hedberg did open mic nights there. Right. Uh, Maria Bamford, <laughs> Nick Schwartzen. I mean, uh, the place has got history oozing all over it. So no, I, mean, I, I think there's like a there's a handful of, of comedy clubs in America that have been around for over 20 years mm-hmm. that are the backbone of American comedy, and that's one of them. One thing I will say, though, and Bill, you know Bill Dwyer at all? Oh, yeah, I love Bill. Yeah, Bill's a great guy. <laughs> he once said, oh, I can't wait to come to Acme. I love Acme. I just, when he was doing it, he's in, living in Chicago. He, just, he did the podcast from Chicago. He then did it live, but he said, oh, I just love Acme. It's one of the great, great comedy clubs in America. I just, that's a great setting. It's wonderful. And right when you get there, it's, you know, like March and you go to do the show and you walk down the stairs and there's like three feet of sludge. <laughs> yeah. Because it's true. You know, stairs it's like a snow front. bunker because <laughs> it's underground. It's great. And I think the best comedy clubs are subterranean. Yep. You know, when you go down. I was having this. I just – my podcast, Tom Rhodes Radio, um, Does the new well. episode that just went up yesterday is with Don Ward. And he owns the Comedy Store in London, which he opened in 1979. And that transformed British comedy from kind of older, drunk pub comedians doing racist jokes and mother-in-law jokes to what it is today. And all the best British comedians have played there. So I had this great talk with him. And he he goes on and on about, you know, the success of his club was the fact that it was underground. Like the street level real estate is so much more expensive going up. Is uh, a comedy killer. There's some, you know, the yeah. fact that, like, and you know, Acme, the, the stage feels good on your feet. It's the perfect height, it's the perfect dimension. Yeah. Uh, and then it's a dark room, and you got low ceilings, which, you know, the laughs hit really hard in a, a low ceiling room. It's just, it's just perfect dimension for well, a comedy. What do you think, for example, about clubs on the third floor of a mall? Fourth. Um, fourth? Uh, fourth or fifth? It's the fourth floor. I try not to buy my clothes in a mall. Um, It's too easy. In any case, Andy, we'll move on from that comment since, you know, Dion Cole's there. I I know the guy that owns that place. He's a good guy. Oh, Rick Bronson's a great guy. Yeah, wonderful man. He is a really good guy, actually. Yeah, it's interesting. In Minnesota, what you're talking about is absolutely true. And even in food service, because Minnesotans will not go downstairs or upstairs to eat. They will eat on the first floor only, because if you, you open a restaurant, it better be on the first floor, because otherwise it will do no business. It's bizarre. Because there was a, a hotel in town, the Chambers Hotel, had a, uh, oh, what the hell's that guy's name? Uh, oh, very, He's out of Washington, D.C. Bob Chambers? 
a guy out, a guy out of Washington D.C. He's a, a very famous French chef. Opened a restaurant there, and he opened it downstairs in the hotel. Did absolutely zero business. The food was fabulous. Did zero business, so he left, and they moved the restaurant up to the first floor. And it was a, and a decent Italian place. Not great. Did great business. It's just people won't do that. But in comedy, I think people want to go downstairs. I think you're right about that. It's like, let's go downstairs and, you know, some things happen. Well, first of all, I think maybe you and I talked about this yesterday, but I, I think live comedy is the last place to be honest in the world. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it's always been an adult thing where adults go in a, you know, a dark room to hear uh, truths that uh, aren't spoken in polite company. So, Yeah, and I think, you know, I was talking to, talking to uh, Justin about this. Are you leaving? All right. Love you. She's still being grabby. I'll, I'll get her home. She'll calm down. Will you tell your family that the Royal Tannenbaums is one of the greatest films ever made? Hey, would you ask her to come in here and say hello to Tom? Tell her to come in and sit, and sit in the last. What time do you have to go, by the way? Oh, I'm great. I'm here for hell, okay. as long as you need me. Marvelous. Uh, yeah, just tell her to come in and be in the last half hour of the show, will you? You don't think I want her? Ah, no, tell her to come Did in. It'd be great. That's no. okay. She's, I just, I just wanted just to set things right with your family, you know. No, that's you know. I tell you the truth. Yesterday, I had such a ball. I just like I said, it's a weird thing with me. It's like uh, you, you catch somebody on on an interesting day. It just it's there's a young woman. First couple of times I interviewed her, she was just fantastic. She just did a wonderful job. And then the third time, she was sitting where Don is right now. And she's just a pain in the ass, you know. Just I I don't know. I have a, I just have a a weird sense about people. Well, I don't know. I think you might have also got it right that I probably was a crabby prick that day. And I, you know, it, I, it, it can happen. I can be a crabby prick. And I, I, who knows? Maybe even subliminally, I was somewhere uh, jealous of the fact that you got such a cool, great, big family. And they, that are. they are like kind of eccentric and artistic, you know, like, and that's why I, I made that Royal Tannenbaum thing. Like, wow, if I had a family, I would want them. You know, I, went, well, I, I made a joke, like, if I have a kid, I'm going to name him Genius, so he knows exactly what's expected of him. <laughs> you know? It was like, and, you know, I mean, I'm going to be, you know, teaching my kids art and putting paintbrushes in their hands and reading them Bukowski and Mark Twain from uh, the moment they're born type stuff. You going to do that? I'd like to. My wife wants to wait having kids because we've got this jet-setting lifestyle, yeah. you know? We just, you know, we spend six months of the year out of the country. Just spent June, uh, January and February playing all over Europe, and I'm going to Asia next month, and just like it's too fun. How does your humor play in Europe? Uh, it works well. I mean, um, are they laughing partly because a lot of what you do um, can be taken by that audience as making fun of American moors? Yeah, but it's a you know the way in the '80s in America it was like a hack comedian thing to do like airline material yeah in england it's kind of a hack premise to make fun of americans and you go to a comedy show in england and every comedian has got a five ten minute hunk about how <clears throat> stupid americans are so to come out there after that is actually kind of easy because it's like kung fu you use someone's negative energy right. effortlessly against them um so it's kind of um I mean, you know, it's comedy's comedy. Things are certain things are universal. I mean, um, you know, relationships. I don't know. I talk about all kinds of stuff, but I, it just works for me in different countries. Do you ever appear in France? And go, French people are fucked up. Do you ever do stuff like that? No, I'm a Francophile. <laughs> oh, and, damn. Um, damn. Well, that's good I, for Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I, I just played in Paris in in February. Where where in Paris? Where, where's a club there? Uh, there is a famous, massive theater on the Grand uh, Grand Boulevard, and it is called So Gymnasi. So Gymnasi. So S O Gymnasi. But the comedy room is upstairs at the famous theater. Wow! And my second live CD is live in Paris. My first love of my adult life was with a French girl from Paris, Natalie. Wonderful. I was maced the very first time. <laughs> I ever went to Paris. 
for the way that I pronounced the champs Elises. <laughs> well, that'll happen. Yeah, no. I got maced. These guys tried to mug me. And, and they maced you. Yeah, yeah. They don't have guns there. Yeah. So that's a technique I found out afterwards. They'll mace you, beat you up, get you on the ground, and take your things. But I got away from them. I ran. And I was blind. It took me um, – that stuff lasts for hours. Ugh. That was uh, the most excruciating pain I've ever been. <clears throat> but I love Paris. And any American who says they don't like Paris or French people is an idiot because we never would have gained our independence from England without the French blockade at the Battle of Yorktown. And the admiral's name was Lafayette for the French Navy. And that's why when the Americans landed on the beaches of Normandy in World War II, the American government sent a message to the French government and it simply said, Lafayette, we are here. Yes. (laughs) That's fabulous. True. And the French invented the bikini and lingerie. So, I mean, you know, what's not to like? That's true. <laughs> that's right. And, and Place Pigalle. What's that? Place Pigalle. That's that? that, well, that, that's the adult area up up uh, on Montmartre. Oh, well, I like there. the French saying, uh, "What is it?" Uh, I'm going to mispronounce it, but "Farche la femme, cherche, cherche." Find the woman, and you will find the problem. <laughs> to locate the problem, or whatever it is, any problem can be traced back to a woman. Is this ancient French saying? <laughs> Even though they've been furloughed, these clips showed up for another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Kermit Apio, Eleanor Kerrigan, and Tom Rhodes. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. <laughs>